Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You're tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Daryl Mosley has been involved with the bluegrass music industry for more than 30 years as a songwriter and a vocalist, including an almost 10-year stint with the famous Osborne Brothers. From there, he formed the band The Farmhands before launching on a solo career in 2020. He has written 10 number one songs and been named Songwriter of the Year three times. Daryl joins us for this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about his third solo record, a life well lived. Hey, Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. We've we've done this before. I'll link in the notes uh, where people can listen to our earlier interview. But it's been a couple years, and you've been up to quite a few things since the last time we chatted. So it's good to reconnect with you again. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I try to. I, I don't sit still very well. That's what I always <laughs> say. So I try to stay busy. Well, just as a quick, uh, in case some people don't get a chance to listen to the the earlier podcast, or they um, maybe don't know you, or haven't haven't uh, um, had a chance to uh, hear about your story previously, let's just do a, a quick uh, a recap. You you are in Carolina, right? North Carolina. No, I'm actually in uh, in Waverly, Tennessee. By Tennessee. now, west of Nashville. Okay. I've traveled, of course, everywhere, but I've never lived anywhere else. I've always lived okay. right here in Tennessee. Did you grow up with music? Yeah, you know, my mom sang and played guitar a little bit, and, you know, we sang in church a lot. And uh, But when I was about, I don't know, 15, uh, Loretta Lynn lives here in our community. It's actually about five miles from me is where she lived. And oh, yeah, I, okay. I knew, I, knew that, I knew her daughters and went to school with them, and so she has a kind of a tourist place a little dude ranch they call it out uh, out here and so i she hired me when i was about 15 to do a, a little show every night for the for the visiting you know campers and that sort of mm-hmm. thing and so that that was the first really what you might say professional thing the first time i ever got paid i guess to sing yeah so, yeah and it kind of got me started kind of i kind of i really i guess the bug bit me then as far as wanting to perform live and, and pursue that as a vocation did you ever want to do anything else you know, not really. I mean, there's other things I have done along you know, at different times along, you know, when music would get slow, you know, I, I worked in radio and I enjoyed that. And I, you know, I built cabinets with my father-in-law one time and, you know, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed woodworking, but, but music's always been the, the driving force. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. always been what I've wanted to do. And, 
and you know i love the touring i love the travel and, and after all these years i still do and it's it's uh been been almost exclusively bluegrass right have you branched into country at all not really. I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up on country music and gospel music, and mm-hmm. but I kind of stumbled into bluegrass back in the late 80s, and then all through the 90s, I was touring with the band New Tradition, and we were doing 200 dates a year, and and then when I left that, I ended up going to work with Bobby and Sonny Osborne and, and worked, you know, for about 10 years, you know, as far as part of the Osborne Brothers, and then, of course, with Bobby after Sonny retired. Yeah, yeah, and we just, of course, yesterday learned of the passing of, of Bobby, and uh, was... Um uh, he'd been pretty active, right, up until just recently. It was uh... yeah. He he's another one that didn't sit still. Well, I asked him one because you know I, it just breaks my heart to think that you know I'm I'm living in a world now that does not include Bobby or Sonny. Yeah. Because they were both really good to me and really close. And and I asked him once. I said, "Are you ever going to retire?" And he laughed and he said, "And do what, Daryl?" <laughs> <laughs> and I see his point. You know, I mean, he was he was doing what made him happy. So why would you quit that? Well, and, and yeah, and, and that could apply to anybody with any career. Can you imagine having a? I think he was ninety-one. Imagine having doing something for ninety years that you couldn't imagine doing something any different. I mean, that to me is the uh, that's the exclamation point on a life well lived. You know, and in recent years, he he toured some with he had all three his sons in the band. Robbie and Wynn and Bobby Junior were all in the band with him. And so, getting a chance to yeah. travel and tour with your with your kids and hang on the bus and do that, and I'm sure he he actually had family time in a way that he'd never had it back in the in the years when they were just so wide open. So, you know, sure. Yeah, I think he's he's a great example of a life well lived. And I, I I'm guessing you knew well the legend you were playing with when, when you got to be in their band. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up listening to him and on the upper end, and, and I worked some festivals where we were on the same bill that they were. You know, they they were kind of larger than life, mm-hmm. and, and you know, but you know, when I became part of the group, they really just kind of took me in, and it became like a family thing. And they were just always so great to me. Sonny was Sonny was the one that I could call with, you know, advice. You know, as far as business stuff, he had a great business head, and. Uh, but and Bobby was also an absolute great shooter. Don't ask his opinion if you want to know. <laughs> and I loved, I loved that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that's what if you're asking somebody what they think, you don't want to just blow smoke at you. And he was not sure. a smoker. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, they were, they were, they were, they, they were the best. Absolutely. How did that change the way you looked at music, bluegrass music in particular, the music industry? Uh, you know, having the 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 track record that they had before you were able to play with them, I would imagine any up and coming musician or somebody even in, in the middle of their career to get a chance to be exposed to uh, somebody with that kind of talent and longevity. I, I, I'm just curious, how did that change your perspective? It actually a lot for me because all the years in prior, all the 10 years that I was on the road with new tradition, all of us were young guys. None of us had been a side man with anybody. Mm. So we didn't really know how to do the side man thing. You know, mm-hmm. we were an equal part active band and, and so actually stepping into that role and, and kind of for the first time learning the road, the rules, so to speak, and the right way to do it. And, you know, and you know, there were I laugh now. There were times that we would we'd get off stage and Sonny would shake his head and he'd say, Man, you sound like crap. Well I knew he wasn't talking about him and Bobby. <laughs> you know, I was the other singer, you know. And so, you know, so I I knew I really had to step up and because 
figure out well where, where's where we lose where you know is it a phrasing thing is it a pitch thing yeah you know after probably four or five months into the band he stopped saying that so i assume that we got either either he got used to me or it got it got better so <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, it 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 causes you to to always bring your a game yeah and 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 I you know that's that was fun. One time I'll never forget this. We were on stage at a festival and somebody wanted to hear Georgia Mules and Country Boys. Well, we had never done a song. I'd been with them maybe a year, but had never done it live. And so they just kicked it off. And and I knew my part because I I would shed it and I had to listen to their music. Later on, we were sitting on the bus and Sonny looked at me and he said. Have we ever done Georgia Mules since you've been with us? And I said, no, we hadn't. And he smiled. He said, I guess it's a good thing. You knew your part then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, sir, it is. Yeah, wow. Yeah, but to be able to be ready or to come ready um, takes a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, offstage work on, on your part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the day that I auditioned for them, Sonny said, go learn some songs. He didn't say, go learn these songs. He didn't say, here are some CDs. He just said, go learn. And so I went to, the, at the time, in the National Ernest Tubb Record Shop and bought every Autumn Brothers CD they had. Wow. And I spent next week listening, driving, and learning those harmony parts. At night, I would I'd work on the bass parts. And the following week, we got together. We rehearsed one more time. And he looked at me, and he said, you'll do Wow. We played the Grand Ole Opry cool. that night. Wow, that's amazing. Was that your first trip to the Grand Ole Opry? No, it was, I mean, I played it with New Edition a couple of times, but, uh, you know, it was, obviously it was my first It was my first time at the Ryman, mm. and uh, first time in that building. And oh, so here we, here I am on stage at the Ryman Auditorium with the Austin president. It was, I was, I was pretty nervous. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's awesome. Well, thanks for that reflection. I, I you know, I, um, Again, it's so. If, whenever people are listening to this for this conversation, his passing is so recent. So it's. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of conversations happening over the next uh, coming days, uh, and so I appreciate you sharing sharing your memories. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Like I said, I'll, I'll, you'll never catch me saying a bad word about those guys. They were just golden to me. Yeah. So you have been a songwriter your whole life. Is that do you consider yourself a songwriter first and then a musician or does it, does it not matter? I, I do now, you know, for a long time I didn't. I mean, I, I actually, I thought of myself as a singer and wanted to be a singer and, you know, and, and honestly singing harmony parts, being able to do that got me the job with the Osmond brothers way more than the, my bass ability. But so I always thought of myself first as a singer, but I had been a songwriter that entire time. And, and for a long time, I didn't really think about it. You know, we need the, you know, we need an upbeat song to close out the album. So I just write one. I thought, mm. man, can do this? You know, mm-hmm. and it, it took me some years and some time around other writers and to, to realize that, you know, it's as, as I've often said, songwriting is part gift and part craft. You know, I'm thankful that the good Lord gave me the gift, but the craft part. That responsibility falls to me to work at it, to be as good a songwriter as I can be. And it, so at that point, I realized that it really became more of a of a passion for me to try to become as good a songwriter as I can and to write as good a songs as I can write. Um, which has netted you, I believe, 10 number one songs and Songwriter of the Year, at least with uh, Spigma three times, I think. Um, right. So you, you mentioned... Um, 
working at the craft, what does that look like for you? Like, how do you, how do you hone that and, and, and stay, um, uh, like you said, be, how do you bring your A game to your songwriting? You know, number one, I read a lot mm. and, and that helps <clears throat> just thinking, you know, about, about, about words and the way to say things, especially, you know, I mean, not, not just, not just the poets, you know, not just, you know, the, the classics, but, but, but anything that's that it's got a little bit of you know meat to it, I do that. And of course, and I listen to a lot of really great songwriters, and mm-hmm. because I love a great song, no matter who wrote. You know, obviously, I want to write great ones, but I, I love great songs. And and so occasionally, you know, when I hear one, I mean, I'll I'll send a message to to my friend that wrote it or my friend that recorded it, like that's just the greatest song. And you know, because it songs excite me, and and that works as motivation for me to keep trying to, to, mm. to chase that carrot at the end of the stage mm-hmm. trying to write a better song. Mm-hmm. Do you have a routine? Do you, you have an hour or two or three set aside each day, or is it a little more organic than that? It's a little more organic. You know, when I'm co-writing, it's a little more structured, you know, because you have to schedule those. And so, I'll, you know, that's a little that's a little more structured. Uh, most of my solo writing is done while I'm driving. Huh. Okay. For me, that's a lot because I'm on the road a lot, and so yeah. Um, and, and I'm and I'm other other than driving, I'm not distracted. I'm not looking at a phone, and I'm you know that sort of thing. So I'm I have a little bit more of of, of quiet time mentally to to write. And so actually, cause several of the of the songs on the new album came from from writing while I was driving. Okay, wow, that's that's cool. And I, I guess you. Re- re- have a some sort of recording device nearby <laughs> obviously you can't drive and, and use a pen at the same time or, you should, yeah, or if you are we won't talk I, about that <laughs> yeah don't do that most of the most of the time when i'm writing it doesn't always happen but most of the time the lyrics and the melody will start shaping up at the same time mm-hmm. I, I, it's almost like trying to to remember the words of a, of a song you used to know, it's like it's just beyond your reach, and oh, you're kind okay. of trying to coax it back. And so I'll just start singing, and 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 so the melody usually finds its way around the words at the same time. Uh-huh. And so once I've kind of got a, a handle on it, then I'll grab my my phone and the little voice recorder, and I'll sing it on that, and and, uh, and that way I can go back later and kind of yeah, speak it. yeah, okay, that's cool. So you. You um, you left the the Osborne brothers uh, formed farmhands right or co co formed I did yeah and and spent you know, uh, quite a few years there yeah I was I think I think nine years you know we I was I was playing with, with Bob Osborne Sonny had retired at this point and I was playing with Bobby and Tim Graves who was in the group was Tim and I talked and 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 you know Bobby continued to get older and. And I thought, you know, Bobby's going to start slowing down, and and so you know, we should probably start trying to figure out what the next chapter in our life musically is going uh-huh. to be. And of course, you know, we had no idea. <laughs> Bobby didn't slow down near as fast as we thought, <laughs> but uh, uh, so so we put together we put together the farm hands, and we worked, like I said, a number of years, and and had some success with that. And so had had. Being uh, on your own, having a solo uh, career, had that been on your radar prior to that? Was that something you always wanted to do eventually? You know, not really. It's just uh, throughout my time with the farmhands, you know, I, I began to get more and more focused on songwriting, uh-huh. and that became 
you know, I mean, I was the lead singer uh, in, in Farmhands, and and I and I still love singing. I still do. But but somewhere during that, that's really when the transition in my life began to really strongly flip between seeing myself as a songwriter first. Mm, okay. And so I really wanted to pursue more of that. And I wanted to do some of the songwriter festivals and and, and, and things that were that were, you know, more aligned to, to the, the songwriter craft. And I certainly didn't want to slow the band down. You know, I didn't want to say, You guys gotta take off this weekend because I'm gonna go to this songwriter mm-hmm, thing and mm-hmm. and so the the, the right thing for me to do is to step out as it turned out timing wise could not have been better because i left in september of 2019 and i immediately went in the studio and started my first solo album and i had just gotten it finished i mean it was just in the can when covid hit with the you know with a vengeance and so there's a you know i spent a lot of time during 2020 when there was road work doing press and you know and and got you know, I've seen some, you know, really amazing publications and things that maybe it wouldn't have happened had everybody else been as busy as, mm-hmm. as I happened to be at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people kind of follow, well, people fall on both sides of that because they, they either kind of where you were, they were they they were ready to just kind of invest that time in it and take their time and or they kind of got stuck and, you know, half done, half not, and now what do we do? And it's interesting to hear how each, uh, how different artists have navigated through that season uh and and come come back to where i think maybe this year we're starting to feel a little more like normal like it used to be i know a lot of venues haven't bounced back yet but it feels like um closer to 2019 than it's than it has in a while i agree well and certainly it was easier on me as a solo artist than it would have been if i was a part of that sure yeah because bands actually uh, that was the first thing that shut down was you know places that held crowds and that was the last thing that opened back up and so it you know that 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 hit them the hardest you know with me i was even once covid began to, to wane a little bit even when a lot of the concert venues and that sort of thing were not open back up. I was doing house concerts and things like that mm, where, mm. you know, where I could still perform live and still, still generate some income where, you know, if, if I was with a touring band, it would not have been feasible to do it. Yeah. Right. So you, from that time till this, you, you're getting ready to release your, your third album, uh, uh, life well lived, right? Is that the name of it? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, um, as we're talking, comes out um, middle of next month, July of 2023. Um, tell us a little bit about that new record. You know, I've kind of, I've always been drawn to, to writing about small town America. I'm a small town guy that mm-hmm. I, I love this life, you know, living like we do out here. And, and, you know, and I tend to gravitate towards, you know, the old habits and the old, uh, customs and that sort of thing. And so a lot of songs I write, you know, kind of reflect that, you know, family and neighbors and faith and that sort of thing. And 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 so this new album is is it's kind of another collection of those types of songs. It's you know it's songs that that people in my part of the world I think understand and you know and it seems to they seem to resonate you know everywhere because a lot of those values seem to you know. Seem to filter in, you know, regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I noticed—is—is uh, is it the 
current release um, is a song about Mayberry. I think the Mayberry Way of Life or something like that. Yeah, it's called Mayberry State of Mind. Mayberry and, State of Mind, yeah. Of course, you know, a lot of us, you know, in the rural south talk about living in a Mayberry kind of town. And, you know, and I, my town certainly no, no exception. We have an ice cream parlor on the square. We have a one-screen movie theater. You know, that's been open since 1936. Wow. They're showing movies every night. Wow. You know, it's just that kind of place. And and so I, I have believed that you know, if you if you watch the Andy Griffith Show, like so many of us still do, you know, that sense of doing the right thing and you know, taking care of your your friends and your family and and all of the the little you know moralistic values that they show on that show. I believe it's really more of a of a mindset than it is a location, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what the song was about. That mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm I'm stressed out with my job, and you know what I need is I need to get in this Mayberry state of mind, and so we shot a video for it down here in my town, and cool. and that was fun, and and so yeah, it's doing well. It it feels like that most of America is longing for that, even if they don't know what that means. There's something about the basic. Uh, more simple life, less less chaos uh, seems to be um, uh, calling all of us in, in some way to that mindset. I think part of that is probably driven by the fact that, you know, we are constantly engaged. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it, and it becomes a, just the world that we live in. You know, you're, you're, whatever you find interesting, whether it's the news or sports or whatever, you've got this constant flow of that coming from that device in your hand. And, and now, you know, if you stop and, and fill your car up with gas, the TV monitor on the gas pump, you know, and it, there's this constant engagement. And, and I, I find it amazing that I'll be in a restaurant and I'll see four or five people sitting at a table, some table, all of them looking at phones. Yeah. Nobody's engaged. So they're, so everybody's isolated and yet their mind is still firing, you know, rapidly. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's what the whole maybe mindset kind of tilts that. Is that your engagement becomes more interpersonal. It's more, mm-hmm. you know, actually dealing with people and less with the with the, the devices. And, and, and I just, I, I think a healthy balance of both of that is was just probably make for a lot better life for all of us. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you hit a very... Um uh, a positive nerve with your song <laughs> with a lot of people. I hope it lands well and encourages people to uh, consider a, a different perspective, at least part of their part of their day anyway. Yeah, that's the hard thing is that, you know, you develop habits and, and, you know, you get to where you just naturally reach for it. I've got some a couple of friends that, that on occasion will, will actually take a, just like a vacation from their phone mm. and and what they what they do is they'll they'll buy you know get them a little you know flip phone you know it's just basic where they can call out if they need to and and they use it you know and yeah. put their smartphone away for a while just yeah. just to take away the temptation of constantly looking down and seeing what's going on yeah good plan so <laughs> um so what's what's the rest of your summer and fall look like are you are you out on the road on tour with this new record or have you not started that yet oh yeah yeah you know we touring is kind of a constant you know it it never really stops uh i mean i did 140 something concerts last year and wow. i think this year will be about the same and, yeah and and of course they range everywhere from texas to colorado to rhode island next week i'm going to nebraska iowa south dakota you know and and I, you know, I just—that's my favorite part of it. Recording to me has always been more of a chore. It's mm-hmm. kind of a necessary evil, but mm-hmm. but it drives me. What I find the most 
uh, Mova is is performing live. Now, when you go out, are you going out solo, or do you have a band that's that's working with you right now? It depends on on where I'm going in the venue. Um, a lot of my dates are solo dates. You know, I do a lot of that. If I'm doing a festival, some of the festivals I will I'll have a band. Mm-hmm. I, I, lots of times I'll travel with what I call the the, the Daryl Mosley Trio. And it's a, a young lady who plays fiddle and sings, and a guy who plays bass and sings, and so it, it's kind of an enhanced version oh, okay. of my solo of my solo thing. But but uh, but it, it works really well, and, yeah. and and I enjoy doing the trio stuff. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you, Daryl. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share with us and and um, get us excited about this new record on the way. Um, how can people get uh, ready to hear it? Where what platforms is it on? How can they get in touch with you about it? Pretty much any place that you, know, if you stream music, you know, it, it'll it's there. You know, you can you can or it will be. You know, once it's released on the twenty first, uh, the singles. Some of the singles are there now. So if you stream music, of course, the the, the previous albums are there. I have a website, of course. It's just my name, Daryl dot com, and you can uh, you can find me there. And I have the the social medias if you if you go that route as well. So I'm I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. Great, thank you, Daryl. I appreciate. It. Enjoyed talking to you again. Man, great to hear from you. I appreciate you making time for me. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.